Blog Talk Radio. Sylvia, host of sylviaglobal.com, and joining me today is an incredible gift from God, um, a survivor in so many ways, um, Chai Ling. Chai Ling was one of the student leaders of the 1989 Tiananmen Square demonstration speaking out against China's oppressive regime. She was lauded as the commander-in-chief by the Democratic activists protesting at the vast Beijing public square. She later um, also became has become a very savvy businesswoman living in Boston after being smuggled out of China, living for a while briefly in Paris, and then landing at Princeton, Harvard, and now in the United States for many years. She has been a social rights um, leader on behalf of women and girls and the protection of girls. She is also the president and founder of Z- Janzabar and the president and founder of an incredible ministry that Sylvia Global um, represents, and that's All Girls Allowed. Chai Ling, thank you so much for being here with us today. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you so much, Gail, for your kind introduction. Thank you for What a wonderful, wonderful opportunity for our listeners to learn about the, the needs of China and how we can support women and girls in China. Can you share, okay, let's open with um, you sharing about you know, your background and how you ended up in such an incredible position of, you know, I think kind of an unexpected position of leadership during a historic moment. Yes, thank you. Um, 23 years ago, I was a graduate student in Beijing. And, uh, I, you know, when uh, uh, a reformer leader's uh, untimely death led to us going to uh, the funeral and to asking for China to continue to continue his will and his wishes to reform China politically, economically. Um, I was just an innocent student who went over there to brought some food and water to support my fellow students. The next thing I learned that we were just being chased out, beaten down by the police. That was a turning moment in my life that... Uh, I decided I'm no longer going to run away like dogs and cats, like they've been doing that to all my life. Um, so um, this is how we're going to stand firm and confront um, the oppression. So one thing led to another. Um, I become more and more get involved with the student movement. And because I was the firstborn um, child in my family, everything that was a five or ten years old, I was had to made to be responsible for my family because both my parents were medical doctors for the army. They they were often sent to, um, you know, rural areas to to heal the poor, to uh, help the weak, and so I was left alone with my grandmother to raise the family. So the leadership and and you know and to help organize a chaotic situation become natural to me. Um, and so 
and I become a, a chief commander in chief for the student movement. One of the turning points in my uh, you know internal transformation was a moment that when I had to decide, do I want to come in as a wife, which I was supporting my uh, husband at that time, um, to, to to the man of the of the family to to be part of this movement, or do I want to come out as me myself, uh, um, a woman, to join this movement and to make some contribution to our nations. So I chose the latter one. Um, and so afterwards, my leadership was accepted and honored by the student. And just one thing led to another. I became the main student leader for the movement and stayed at the Tam Square when that massacre took place um, and went through this just horrible um, and, uh, you know, and roller coaster emotions. And um, first was filled with hope and expectation for a freer China. And the next thing to, to be confronted with evil and death, um, you know, in our young age. Um, never knew I would ever have made it the next day. But God was faithful and uh, was graceful to us. Um, I saw that was a movement of Abraham was asked to go on the mountain to offer his son to us at that time was to offer our life. But God spared our lives. Um, I was, the majority of the students were able to survive, but there were um, that did indeed student was killed and uh, harmed during the massacre. Um, so, how many students? How many students died during yeah, that? We time? don't know the exact number yeah. right now. The death toll has ranging between a few hundreds to thousands now. Yes, that's what I was finding in my research. I couldn't get a you know, a consistent figure on that. Yes, but that's, that's because one life would have been too many. Absolutely, you know. absolutely. And that's because the Chinese government has deliberately concealing the, the death toll. Um, so afterwards, I was put on the most wanted list and had to basically escape from China to come to freedom. Um, so it took me 10 months in hiding uh, in China and until I was finally able to be put in a cargo box inside a boat and for four nights and five days and uh, finally came to freedom. So uh, and then I, when I come to America, there was a whole new phase of my life was opened up and to basically really to understand what true freedom is and eventually come to know Jesus Christ two and a half years ago. Then I, I finally realized I'm I'm home. I'm I'm you know, I'm finally find the freedom. This has all come at a great price though at a personal level. It isn't as if you had the loving support and backing of your family. Can you talk about um you know the kind of lonely hours that you had to wrestle with your family commitments and obligations? Um you know, at an early age? Yes. Um, when I was five, you know, my family uh, led me to be foster cared by peasants, and it was really sad and alone. I, I tried for a few days, tried to hold myself up and to cheer them up by singing my, you know, singing songs to them, but at night, finally, one night, I just collapsed. I couldn't pretend anymore. I begged the family to bring me home and realized my family was all gone on the mission, and, um, and it was a very sad time. But the next morning, my, my father came home, and he was very upset with how I acted. And he um, he told me how important to be responsible when you make a commitment. Do not chicken out. And so I felt really bad. So all my life, I spent a lot of time to, when I make a commitment, it was a pretty serious um, serious commitment. I stick through, you know, until it was accomplished. So when I commit to TM and movement and uh I like, you know, um, I stick through it, and that's um, probably the reason why I am who I am today. Um, you know, when I first came to America, it was 
it was a very lonely time, and I was basically exiled into a land that I have no, I have no friends, I have no families. I, there's a country I cannot go back. My mom, my grandmother passed away since, and I could not go back to their funeral because my father did not tell me. Uh, they passed away, you know, after a month later, because he feared that I would go back and you know put myself in further jeopardy. Um, would you? Yes. Do you think that's what would have happened too? That's, that's the what, impression that I got. Yes, that's that the impression. My, even yeah. though it was, uh, I was, I was saddened to hear that you would suffer a loss of both your mother and your grandmother, who you were extremely close to. Yes. And then not to know that they had died, and then to find out the way you did, you know, a month afterwards, your dad was trying to protect you, even though it seemed, you know, kind of insensitive at the time. It was hard, and he is a very loving father. He endures so much for us, and he doesn't speak, talk too much. He doesn't complain. He's a very, um, you know, strong man, and so a very loving man. I understand his heart. But it was for me. It's just like the closure could never be made. I don't know if I made a closure, what would have been. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, and um, so your, that, your your sister though made a comment um, that I saw in your book. Yeah, thank her, you for reading and, my and for book. the audience, her um, her book is called A Heart for Freedom by Chai C H A I Ling L I N G. Your sister at one point lashed out at you, too, after arriving here in the United States, you know, referring to you as being self-centered and selfish. And um, it's not like the struggle ended once you touched on, you know, you landed on the soil of the United States. You had to keep carrying and wrestling with kind of the demons of the past until you were set free through your faith. How did you handle just just talk to the audience a bit because I don't want them to get the impression that, oh, she's a strong lady and she made it through and it was probably really easier than it really was. You know, um, in, in being in these positions of leadership, all of the capacities that you've had to lead and lead as a, you know, within your family, lead within the student movement, lead in making some decisions in your marriage, lead in... Um, arriving and adjusting as a student in the United States, lead and getting your you know your family here to the United States, and then to hear after all those years of pain and sorrow, you know someone so dear to you um, say you've been so selfish and self-centered. You know how did what did you do with that? What do you do with that? You know when that happens. That was really uh, a very low point in my life, and uh, my what sustained me through all these journey was my family who stood by me, even no matter how much they endured, how much they suffered. So when I lost that support from her, um, and uh, you know the next day, but I also was struggling with that calling within my heart that I knew if I do not fulfill it, I will be denying the very self, um, you know, uh, who I was. So, so I, it was. It caused me to really have a paralyzed um, um, attack, um, uh, a panic attack on, on on the plane. So that was the moment I realized, you know, I could no longer rely on myself, and uh, um, and that was the same night God came to me and uh, rescued me and started leading me to Him. And I think at some point, you know, we need to, when I grow, was grown up in China, we were not to be allowed to know God or know Jesus. So that was the 
biggest unfortunate things. And so, and I attribute all my sufferings to the fair fact that I did not know Jesus. Um, and then the best gift I ever received is, is through that that panic attack, and I come to know him and to, to be able to uh, make the decision to give my life to him so he can go ahead and free China and I can be freed from all the burden, all the obligation, all the responsibility I've been carrying on my back. So that was uh, the most joyful thing I could ever done in my life. And uh, in the past two and a half years, um, I lived in God's grace and his love. And he slowly, you know, he first called me to step up in faith six months after I came to know him to found All Girls Aloud, a ministry that is dedicated to, um, in Jesus' name, simply love her by restoring God-given life, value, dignity to women and mothers in China by ending one-child policy. So um, through that journey, and every day we knew very clearly this time we're taking on a much bigger evil than just Tiananmen Square movement. This time we take on the evil that killed over 400 million lives under China's uh, force and and coerced abortion um, in, under the one-child policy. And yet the most, the majority of the world does not know about it nor doing anything about it. So we have to basically be given the faith of King David to go after this huge, gigantic Goliath, you know, through God's word and his might, his power and his name. And in the past two years, God has blessed us with his mighty presence every day. It's a beautiful, joyful experience to be with him. I'm not saying that would not be times of despair, time of of um, trust, struggle, but we even in my despair and struggle, I experienced in God. And when we pray, He gave me a very precious gift of prayer. When we pray, He answers. And we felt like, you know, the Bible is no longer, um, you know, a book sit on a bookshelf, but it's a living word. It's a living presence of God. When we two or more gather in his name, um, asking anything, and he will give to us. We've been asking for a righteous China to rise up. We've been asking for China to be set free. We've been asking for the leader's heart in China to be changed. We've been asking for a genocide to come and end. We've been asking for one child policy to come and end. And he has been to answer our prayers one by one. Uh, many of you may be noticed the recent um, uh, escape and uh, um, freedom um, journey of this blind attorney Chen Guangcheng, um, who you know we prayed on Tuesday in Congress, and on Saturday he was set free to America. Mm. So God, God is um, so beautiful. Um, last year, June first, on China's anniversary of um, of the Child Day, we God, you know, Holy Spirit led us to um, you know organize an ending genocide coalition. And we expose you know, to, the, to the leaders um, that the massive uh, genocide taking place both in China and also in America. And, you know, 160 million women are missing around the world. And there are genocide taking place in, in, in America as well. So when one reporter asked us, saying, what uh, do you want to do? What's next? And we just said, oh, God, we'll see how God leads. And it's how beautiful God led all, all in this America, American nation. I believe just last week there was a vote taking place in Congress to ban sex-led abortion in, in America. They almost got through uh, a supermajority, two-thirds through, um, but uh, sh- you know, for short, for 17 votes. What was and the ban? Can you ban, clarify ban, that? Huh? To ban sex-selective abortions. Uh, on America. So in America, there's a certain group population, you know, influenced by the Asian culture, and they they particularly abort baby girls. So the statistics shows 
um, if their first sibling is is a girl, then the, the ratio between the second second sibling between boy and girl is 171 to 100. That means every um, six girls that will need to be born to that family and that or to those families who had the first baby as a girl, their second baby if um, one of every six girls that would be boarded. And if Wait, the, are you saying that 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 those numbers are in America and those are here in America? This is not just a problem in China. No, not that the one-child policy is now a breeding ground of bad abuses even here in America, and that these types of gender imbalances yes. are making the country more prone to, you know, just social um, sex trafficking. instability. And se- that's what, that's okay. contributing to the sex trafficking, and it, it has a, cha- a domino effect. Absolutely. And as in the Asian population in America, that between Chinese, Indians, and those families, um, this kind of a, a genocide is taking place quite severely. And listen to this number. If the first two siblings are girls, then the number three sibling between birth, between, you know, the ratio between boy and a girl is 151 to 100. That means hmm. every third baby girl will be aborted in those circumstances. So it's quite severe. Uh, in this country as well, um, this the, you know in this country even though there's no one-child policy, but the culture influence are very severe, still con- very prevalent, and so every baby is a God's precious uh, creation. Uh, it, it was created by God, belonged to God. So, um, and this this kind of battle um, can be held by law, but really importantly is for people to know the truth, the truth about you know the value of life. When life was created by God before the foundation of the world, and what's the purpose and meaning for us is we are made by God for God. Um, that's a purpose-driven life, and uh, so. Um, but this, this, Chile, um I yeah. just want to back up for a moment for the readers, for the listeners who aren't familiar with the whole story. For you to be able to make a statement like that, and, and I can hear it so passionately and so sincerely in your voice. For you to be able to make a statement is is something that you're able to do now because of your faith, but you weren't always at that place. Absolutely, you, you know yes. you. And the reason, one of the other reasons that this is so extremely important, and you've become a leader in this area, is because you know the pain and the sorrow associated with making a decision around abortion. Can you talk to the audience about that? Because I think a lot of women secretly carry the burden of a decision to abort for whatever those reasons may be. It's, it, it remains a deep-rooted pain within themselves. And a part of what you're doing now, again, this leadership example, is shining hope and love on the to start the healing of that type of hurt for women and girls. Yes, absolutely. And before I was, I kept looking at myself as a victim of Tiananmen massacre. It took me 20 years to try to heal by myself. Mm. When I came to the Lord, and He assured me that He will bring justice, freedom to China. And after He called me to step forth in faith to found Augur's Loud, we're doing a lot of work to rescue mothers and girls in China against forced abortion, against forced sterilization, against trafficking, against abandonment. 
But however, God was not done with me yet. He wants me to go back to see um, something very deep and then, you know, hidden in a very, uh, you know, in a very deep, dark place in my heart. He wants to completely set me free and heal me. And through this process, He uh, allowed me to, He let me to confront my own four abortions, uh, which uh, I had to wrestle whether to share that story in public or not. Uh, you know, upon finishing the book, A Heart for Freedom, which I do recommend um, many, you know, all of your readers to read if they get a chance, um, that um, the first abortion was when I was 18, and I, uh, uh, when I found out I was pregnant, I was shocked and totally shamed in the Chinese community for a young girl, young woman to get pregnant before marriage was uh, not a great, you know, it was something that... Uh, was disgraceful, and my parents really deeply disapproved, and they were, my father really, um, really disappointed in me. And but you also had carried the burden of being one of the leaders at the time and well, re- highly regarded, you know, with having been accepted at the university and to come back. You had a lot to lose during that stage. You know? Absolutely. Not only I can I lose I risk to lose my reputation, um, to be, you know, the honor student, the role model for many young people, many family to admire to and also risk losing um all the things I built up, you know, to be able to uh enter Beijing University, which is one of the elitist universities in China. It was every parent's dream, every children's dream. So um, under China's one-child policy, um, if a woman was found pregnant before marriage, she had no option, kept the baby anyway. And so my father took me to um, abortion clinic, clinic um, you know, a few hours away from our home um, by bus, and um, the abortion procedure was extremely painful, and there was no, no anesthesia. No anesthesia was performed mm-hmm. on me, and I was fainting in those situations. And uh, um, and you know, my father and I never talked about it. Um, you know, why your father and not your mother? Um, it's a good question. <laughs> um, my mom loved my father very much, and but my father is certainly the leader of the family. So, um, yeah, and they I were both medical doctors. They were both medical doctors. And so your mother knew what you were about to endure. Yes, possibly, yes. Possibly, yeah. My mom and I never talk about this ever since. I never got a Mm -hmm. chance to talk to her about it. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, yes, and thank you for adding the details. And uh, but later on, I had two more um, similar abortions. And and people always say, why do you keep getting pregnant? You know. So the problem is, you know, we also I have to go back and confront the culture I was raised up. You know, a woman was taught to be submissive to man, was taught to please man, and in a way that when man demanding sex, it was. It was a way that eventually I cave in to um, to be the good woman they expect. Um, so um, I'm not, you know, uh, evading responsibility. All that I just want to. I feel so strongly now. I'm a mother of three daughters. I want to give my daughter the freedom and the right to say no, and uh, and 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 the reason to say no versus try to. Um, for themselves into conform themselves into a culture norm, a culture expectation that harms a woman. Um, 
then um, through this process, it was a very degrading process, even though everything was done in secret. But I was I was feeling something was wrong with me, and I felt like um, I would become um, uh, less valuable, less worthy. And uh, because in Chinese culture, it also has a, this ex- uh, obsession towards being virgin. Um, being virgin is virtuous. But the men are... Um, openly and and frequently violate that virtue um and um and so and I felt it deep in my heart it was very broken and so I ended up in a marriage that was physically violent and but I by that time I felt I had nowhere to go um and uh so I I in, so basically my uh, fiance at that time the day before we were going to get married he was beating me physically that was a very shocking um to me and but I I couldn't run away, break up the engagement, and uh, uh, leave him because I felt uh, I didn't have anywhere else to go. Um, it was through that kind of burden I carried. And um, so when the last abortion was took place in Paris, uh, even though I uh, finally after overcome Tiananmen massacre and this manhunt, um, but I came to this country and got pregnant with uh, the husband who was very abusive. Uh, had a lot of anger issues and was directing at me. Um, and uh, again, it was feeling I had nowhere to go and um, no hope and no ability to carry this baby um, under advice from friends. And I aborted that baby in Paris. So, um, But also, you didn't have any sex education training, and it wasn't until almost 20 years later that you even had, you know, saw an ultrasound to see the development stages of life in your womb, you know, that there, what a place of turmoil for you and to have to be able to walk that walk um, and make those types of decisions. But you do get set free from it, you know. Yes, and so you're absolutely right, Gil. And you know, we uh, we've grown up in a child, in a culture that people don't talk about abortion is such a normal, common thing to do. We never was taught that it's killing a life. And so when I, um, you know, when I, I think it was um, a little over a year ago, two years ago, when I started conf- confront that through so my work of all girls aloud, you know, when we pray for God to send warriors into China, He's sending, you know, a uh, uh, a pro-life teacher, pastor, went to China. Uh, you know, he he was sharing us with a great um, revelation and success. My house church was learning about when life begins, and I was just asking him, like, what material are you teaching them? I saw the ultrasound picture. I saw the um, uh, the video uh, of the baby when it was developed, even at eight weeks and ten weeks. That was about around the time I boarded my babies, and tears just pouring out on my face. I I just. There was a there was a moment that my eyes was opened up to uh, the truth that these all little babies and they were all formed and they will, um, you know, they all have God's purpose and reason, and uh, under ignorance I let them die and uh, and you know I participate in this killing. So that was an awful moment to be in there to have to deal with. Um, Deal with you, the loss of four babies, and also deal with the very fact I, you know, in some way, you know, respond for that, and and deal with the fact that uh, you know many people and the policy have a lot to do with this, and the mm-hmm. culture influence. So, so um, you know, come to terms with God, and through His forgiveness, and 
and to know what grace and mercy mean and how yeah. to apply them in your own life. Yeah. Let me um, take let a me, moment. Let me just finish. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Can go I, ahead. I just mm-hmm. want to finish that. Um, it was through my experience at Sacred Space, I really I feel I met the Lord, um, that hear the word from Him and about both truth and also forgiveness and grace. Um, and God wanted to say to all these us women who had those experiences in our lives, saying, come to me. Um, not I will forgive you, but come to me. I will love you and set you free. So that is a message from God. And there's no condemnation, no judgment, no um, hurt, but pure love and and grace. So I, I hope uh, if there's any your listeners are listening to this, and I hope they would um, get a chance to read my, my story, my experience, and get a chance to be set free. You're listening to sylviaglobal.com. I'm your host, Gail Sylvia, and our special, extremely special, um, wonderful guest today is Chai Ling. Uh, We are now in a discussion about God's forgiveness and abortion, but we're um, stay with us because we are going to also be talking about how that forgiveness grows into a new leadership role for Chai Ling. You can find this broadcast on sylviaglobal.com and on iTunes as a podcast under Sylvia Global. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Chai Ling, can you, uh, let's back up for a moment and share with the listeners the first time you heard about a Bible in an experience with a young man in a village and they pull out a book and they just want him to read and he ends up leaving with a bag of you know sweet potatoes <laughs> you know as, as such a cherished gift he you know yeah. talk about just the you you shared about Abraham you shared about the legacy of God doing great things with ordinary people in extraordinary ways and how this legacy continues to evolve around the world in ways that we Sometimes we'll never know, but it does reveal a living word and a living, loving God. Can you share that? Absolutely. And as I said, you know, I grew up in, in a country that um, the Bible and uh, believing God was not allowed. And so during Cultural Revolution time, that's between 1966 to 1976, um, that was the time I was born, the first 10 years. If anyone was found with a copy of the Bible, they'd be shot to death. So I grew up in a spiritual vacuum, and all we were allowed to believe is communist leaders, Chairman Mao. And, uh, we, you know, each of us were given a little red book of his quotes, his words to study and to and then go and be sent out to the world for class struggles and, you know, for hatred and for violence. Um that so when I first came to um, Beijing University, that uh, my sophomore time, I heard this young man's story, who decided to take a bike ride across the country, follow the Yellow River, and uh, one night he was too tired to keep going, and he went to this very shabby, poor village, where the villagers just you know embraced and welcomed him, and saying, "Come, help us, you know, to help us read this book." And because none of us can read, and they were all huddled over into a into a, uh, a hut, and uh, and uh, with a little oil lantern, um, they pass on this black package, and the elders, you know, um, through trampled hands, open this um, 
package and layer by layer, and it was a uh, beat-up copy of Bible. It was something they had preserved and risked their lives to keep. It was a copy of that Bible. They said, read for us because we do not know how to read. And the people can read, either have left the village or died off because we're so poor and so, um, you know, destitute. And but they, they were overjoyed for the very fact this young man even showed up. A Beijing, you know, the elite student <laughs> would show up in their, you know, uh, can, uh, uh, village because they've been praying for God to send them something to to somebody can read the words. Because in the past when they worship, they were just passing the Bible around touch the Bible to feel God's power and energy. So this time this young man just, you know, under the oil land, he read and read and read and read all night. Everybody was standing, listening, and they, their eyes and ears just filled with joy. They don't want to leave uh, until the next morning when the dawn come, they had to go back to work. Then the next time he did the same thing and the same thing again until he had to leave the village. So I was really struck by that level of devotion and worship. And I want to find something that will capture my heart so much in my life that I would do the same. So I tried to do my little bike ride, and it wasn't a very successful journey to finding God. But God led me to Tiam Square eventually on my journey to be protected by Buddhist people during my 10 months. And eventually come to America and went through many twists and turns to finally find God through another amazing book called Heavenly Man. Um, and it was similar in their region, Henan province, where this young boy was raised by God to preach the gospel, but he was so severely persecuted. One time, uh, he fasted water and food for 74 days, and but God did not allow him to die. And there was a medical miracle, and he continued to live. The third time he was in prison, he cried out to God because he broke his legs. He told God, he said, God, you called me to preach south, preach west. How can I do your job? And at that moment, he felt Jesus walked in to him saying, get up and go. So he got up and started walking out of the prison gate, three gates. And the it's a familiar said, story, isn't it, from the Bible? Absolutely. <laughs> and, but it's being relived by people in China. Yes. And so that was before I read the Bible. And so when he got out of the prison gate and there was a cab driver came over to him saying, where to? And he said, uh, he said to this address, that address was given to him in, a, in his dream. And when he got to the address... The people there were saying, "Oh, brother Yun, the Lord had told us you will be here. We already, you know, we will be. We already prepared a hiding place for you." So within half an hour, he was able to trans- get out of his prison and transport in his uh, hiding place. After he sat down, then he realized his legs were fully healed. Mm-hmm. That was a moment that I realized God's power and might. And I encountered this amazing power. And then, of course, Brother Yun said it at end of his book, saying, "So, are you ready to walk with Jesus?" I was like, I fought for a little while, saying, are you crazy when we go back to this persecution? Mm. But uh, I could not resist the power of God, and he eventually led me to give my life to him so he can save China. So that's my my journey, um, my encounter with this most awesome, amazing, almighty power of God through Jesus. I There's another book I encourage your readers to read. It's called Heavenly Man. Heavenly Man. And the author's yes. name? I think it was Paul Hathaway. Okay. Can you talk about, uh, you know, let me ask you, I have quite a few questions to ask you. Sure. There was another experience in friendship that is very symbolic around walking and Mm -hmm. new legs to gain strength and move forward. 
and that was one of your you know your your lead co-leaders and friends who yes. lost his legs yes. during the massacre and yes. he got new legs too you know yes. in a different yes. way now and he got new legs he got more out tell more <laughs> yeah more yeah mm-hmm. tell yeah. us tell us about yeah. and then tell us also about a special prayer that took place on the 20th anniversary you know at, of the Tiananmen Square Tiananmen massacre and the courage you know, of a couple of your friends to share with you, yes. you know, what God had done in their lives. Yes, yes. Um, um, this young man's name is called Fang Zhen. He was an mm. athletic student, um, and he came to the square in the last few days of the mass, you know, uh, before the massacre took place. And he stood with us because he just wanted to see what this country, what this government would do. We all want to see, know the truth, because we no longer want to live in lies like the government loves us. Next thing we know, if you protest and criticize them, they would punish us. And so we, um, so on the last hour when the student was forced to withdraw from Square, Tiananmen Square peacefully, he was walking at the end of the marching team, and all of a sudden there was this uh, tanks just chasing, you know, ran over at a very high speed toward the student. So he saw from, you know, the corner of his eyes, you know, the tank was coming. So he had a split, he made a split-second decision to help um, another young woman to flip over to, you know, to the safety. But he lost the precious few seconds to save himself. And the tanks ran over, ran, ran over, you know, I believe, 10 students and also him. And he watched his, um, you know, his... Uh, his hands are hold, hold hold down to the rack of the bicycle uh, rack, and but his legs was uh, the white bones and just stick up, and then he lost his conscious. So that's his name, Function. He was a healthy athlete and lost his part of his body for um, for for he did exactly what Jesus would have done is to lay our body for another uh, brother or sister. Um, um, approaching the 20th year anniversary, he was uh, uh, be able to brought up to America by a few uh, my brave friends who from Tam Square who came to know the Lord before me, and uh, they brought him to Washington. I met up with him, and we went to a prayer meeting. And uh, several of these friends who prayed for me, Zhang Li and Zhou Feng Suo and Bao Fu, and uh, they they offered my uh, soul for the Lord to take. And at that time, I was I was. I was totally, I was deeply moved, and but I saw, still thought that, oh no, no, I believe in Buddhism. Those people saved my life, you know. I appreciate for your prayer, but thank you, no, thank you. And little did I know, within six months, God has just rise up from His throne, done amazing things to transform my heart and mind. And so, on December fourth, um, you know, the exact six months after their prayer, uh, I knelt down at my office to give my life to Jesus. So God is amazing and awesome. Do, you know, so I would encourage your listeners to always offer prayers, and He answer uh, in, in, in His most amazing and powerful way. Um, I was deeply. I am deeply appreciative of your offering to pray with me before we air today, because I pray before each broadcast and uh, hoping that the message that's being delivered to the world is one that will touch and change the hearts and win the lives of people to Christ, to know and experience the real love of God, and to know the truth of who Jesus is. 
And so I thank you for walking that talk. You know, it's not that you're just saying this. You are actually living and practicing this. <laughs> and, and, and your faith is not coming without its own share of additional leadership responsibilities and trials that come with faith. Yeah. And that is you're taking this message and this message even today into China and that it's still not a, a government that's receptive to you know, sharing the gospel. Absolutely, Gil. I I thank you for your every prayers to those your listeners, and God honors your prayers, and He's using that to change the heart, transform the mind, and save lives. And uh, I just praise you for your courage to pray, and for your love and compassion to pray for your friends, for the listeners, and my mm-hmm. um, prayers with them as well. And I, I, you know, the past two years walking all go loud and. Because we know we're taking on such a huge evil when every day in China the women are forcefully dragged into the forced abortion clinics. and with you know, It's hard to fathom. You know, it, being here in the, the comforts of the United States and um, what we consider challenges of life, it's, it's really hard for me to get my brain around, you know, being able to comprehend that women in the 21st century are being forced to to make these types of choices or have, or and some of the choices for many are they choose suicide you know um they don't know where else to turn because their rights are violated Yes, you're absolutely right. You know, I did not know until I came to the Congress, um, you know, uh, in 2009. That was one of the events that triggered my conversion to to know the Lord when I heard Wu Jian's testimony and how when she was a five-month pregnant, but she was hiding and they beat her father to handle her, and she had to make this tough decision. Either way she turned, um, either you know, she offered herself up for forced abortion would kill her baby, or she refused to do that. You know, she may beat her, allow her father to be beaten to death. So, but she was found out and was dragged into forced abortion clinics, and they inject poison into her tummy and they killed her baby. And three days later, pull pull her into the operating table and chop the baby up in pieces. And so that was I awakening up, uh, you know, eye opening moment for me to realize this Tiananmen massacre. It's taking place every hour in China mm-hmm. and it's ongoing for the past 30 years. And we, the rest of the world, are mostly a concealed and darkness does not know. And so the only one could save and if save the children, save the mothers, and end this mass of crime is our almighty God. And so, um, you know, that's why I'm in this battle is to share his truth, to expose the truth and boast for the horrific um, crime against humanity that is taking place in China. The Today's Holocaust that's taking place in China against mothers and girls and babies and uh, women, um, and but also by lifting the name of Jesus, because under He and He alone can end this massive crime. Um, but I do invite all your listeners to join this um, battle to be given the front row seat to see God's deliverance. We believe that God is ending genocide. God is ending. Um, one-child policy, and God wants his children and his faithful to come to see how he's doing it. So we are so honored to be given this opportunity to see how God parting the Red Sea of the brutality against women and mother and children in China and around the world. And so we're just so delighted a year later in America, there is this um, bill that is being passed to ending 
gender side, and the people become more and more aware what is going on around around us. You know, it it brings to mind um, the civil rights movement. Yes. It brings to mind apartheid yes. in South Africa. Yes. And it brings to mind the ability that we have um, to create major change during a period that is so dark, yeah. but there is ability to bring light and change to um, where it's needed. Uh, talk about your business because you, you know, before you came to this place of faith in Jesus, you were looking, you know, you wanted to just throw yourself into your job and continue to excel at your work and you accumulate and earn great wealth but it still didn't solve the problem. Yes, I when I came to America and I was, you know, searching for to live out American dream, um, you know, in my book A Heart of Freedom that we uh I went through a lot of um, you know, trials at the beginning to be able to uh to try to find a job and a lot of American business people, uh companies uh, rejected me because they wanted to continue to do business with China. So I had no choice but to start my own business. I was given a vision to start something like Facebook. It's called Genzabar. And uh, during those hours, there was a great excitement, the great, I just pour myself out, 7 by 24, to this new venture. And I was, I was made to believe that through that I can you know, earn great amount of money and that I can use the money to buy China and then fix it. Um, so money and success become become a way that for me to finally to uh, accomplish the dream that was not able to accomplish in 1989. So Genzo become a leading software company, provide um, you know uh, the entire operations for colleges and the universities in America, and it's still running very well today. Um, but even after that, and God also was so good to me, give me a, ma- a wonderful husband, American husband, and also three beautiful children. I worked through my pregnancies during those um, difficult years, and uh, you know I remember my middle child uh, was born ten days earlier. So I woke up from my well, I, I you know I finished my. Uh, a cesarean section at 4 a.m., but by 10 a.m., I was back on a pre-scheduled conference call mm. <laughs> so mm. in my hospital room. So um, that was really, you know, I was willing to give up everything to accomplish that dream. But finally, when I um, got to where I was, I was still feel so trapped. I feel empty. I feel uh, helplessness to really overcome China. And I feel like, you know, the, the, the stronger I get, the evil becomes even bigger. And so that's until I finally had to just surrender uh, my own strengths and to give that big cat God-sized job back to China, back to God. And uh, I was set free. And now after I, you know, surrender myself to Lord Jesus and allow him to use me as empty vessels every day and to do his will on earth, I live in his freedom, his joy, and his ease, which I'm not saying there's no attack, there's no a difficult moment when I just say, God, where is God? Where are you? Where are you? And uh, But uh, he will pull me through a difficult period to strengthen me, strengthen my understanding for him. So in, um, we just celebrate our 23rd anniversary of Tiananmen movement. Uh, June 4th is a difficult year, difficult time for us in Hong Kong. This year there were 180,000 people came out to the Victoria, um, Victoria Park to uh, to do candle vigil 
and to remember the massacre and to remember and to continue the dream. And for me, God was able to bring me to a place that I was able to offer forgiveness to the leaders of China uh, back then and now, and to the leaders of uh, to, the, uh, to the soldiers who uh, killed um, our friends and uh, our people, and to the family planning committee people who today is still committing the crimes. When I offer that forgiveness, it set me free from bitterness, anger, uh, and hatred. It, it, it purifies me, you know, cleanses me to become more Jesus-like because He offered forgiveness to the to those people on the cross, saying, "Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing." And um, it, it gives the task of righteousness and ultimate judgment back to God. And I believe that God will rise up again this time uh, on his throne to do amazing things. I believe a freer China is much nearer than we ever could uh, possibly, um, you know, uh, imagine, expect before. So, um, of course, this uh, for, for offering forgiveness have um, created quite a storm in the Chinese community. The uh, some don't understand it. The people does not know the Lord does not understand it. The people knew the Lord um, uh, misunderstand it. So. Uh, uh, but that's how God wants to do. He wants all his children to um, not perish, including those people who are done evil um, you know, under the deception of the, uh, 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 of the evil forces. For our battle is not against body flesh, but against uh, uh, the principality and authority spirit. and the spirit and uh, evil spirit and the dark forces. So we're not trying to um, destroy anybody and people we all want them all be saved, come to know the Lord, be brought to repentance. and But we also want the cycle of uh, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, that kind of violent cycle to end in China. How do you reconcile your Buddhist experience with your Christian experience? Um, it's a wonderful thing, and that the Buddhist people who rescue me believe at a higher level uh, Christianity and uh, and Buddhism all the same. Um my husband was kind enough to say I can believe in both, um, versus you know the person who tried to let me to Jesus said no you can't only believe in one. Um, both they were right to cer- certain level, but what now I come to know the Lord, know Jesus, I truly experience that um, uh, what is the real, true. Almighty, powerful God. So I do pre, you know, pray every day for my Buddhist friends to come to know the Lord as I have experienced Him. And I believe God is honoring that prayer and is doing amazing things. How do women in elected office in Hong Kong and China and Taiwan, how are they able to influence the types of changes that need to happen on behalf of women and girls? Um... That is a good question. <laughs> I have not studied them, and a lot of people join our All Girls Loud movement, which the website is www.allgirlsloud.org, one word. Um, they are from all over the world, and um, and I, you know, I, I, I see that our Women's Federation in the central government is doing some really good things. For example, they're really strongly against gendercide. And I just pray for God to open their eyes to understand when they, you know, um, they also were very pro-family. Um, they re- conduct survey that a third of the Chinese family suffer domestic violence. And uh, so 
Uh, I believe God has His people and His daughters in the right place, in the right position, to uh, allowing His will to be done on earth. We need to be praying for the leadership of China, for men and women of hearts after God, and the the courage and the strength to be able to do the work that needs to be done on his behalf and in his will and on behalf of women and girls in an environment that is probably very non-supportive of that. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Talk about the sacred spaces and what that experience was and how that influenced All Girls Aloud. And then I'd really like to use the last 10 minutes of our conversation today to let our listeners know about All Girls Aloud and how we can support this important work. And if you would also talk, Chileen, about the, you know, China is the most, the strongest economic power um, influencing, you know, in relationships with the United States. And the prosperity that contemporary, the economic prosperity that contemporary China is experiencing, um, you know, is might kind of blind people to the fact that that there's so much more than the economic successes and that even that will have a cycle um, that will run out if there's not a, some right decisions made. Absolutely. And the secret space was a prayer station our church, uh, Grace Chapel at Lexington, set up for for our congregation members. And uh, there were six or seven prayer stations between like preparation, repentance, confession, forgiveness, journaling, um, um, gratitude, and uh, all those stations. And there is a time to set aside, to meet with God, and to... um, to uh to uh to experiencing God. And so there each station there were certain things set up it was just beautifully like for the confession and forgiveness session there was a beautiful water uh pot and there was rice paper next to it. So that's the part of the year we confess our own sins and you know, forgive the people who sinned against us by putting the names of the people who sinned against us and drop them into this water font uh a pot and just watching that name um, you know, disappeared into the into disappeared into the water and dissolved. It was a very interesting, um, you know, uh, liberating experience. And so I wrote um, the details how I met the Lord, where Lord speak to me in um, in that secret space in my book. Um, and uh, this past uh, time before Easter, uh, I also sent my Ogrelau team to go experience that. They all had a profound experience. So I do encourage churches to contact Grace Chapel to learn how they were able to do that. And I pray for one day we are able to basically package this whole process to others, churches, to use it um, to help their members to experience in God and to be set free. Um, the China issue is um, China is being viewed as wealthy, almighty, powerful, owns so much our debt, and uh, um, is uh, it's a delusion. <laughs> it's not a reality. China today... 5,000, supposed 5,000 is uh, key members, owns uh, up to 70% of China's wealth. And the rest, middle class people divide the rest of 20%. But China has, today has the largest poor population on Earth, 486 
million people live under two dollars a day, and unfortunately, these people are forgotten um, by uh, you know by the wealth of the few. And I do urge people continue to join us in our effort to support the poor and help the orphan and rescue the girls in China.、Um, And so, do not fear. God will will bring about uh, His uh, judgment and rescue, and you know, and redemption of China. China will be raised up to be a blessing to all nations. Chinese house church today. China has over 100 million people have come to know the Lord, and that number is growing every day rapidly. Chinese house churches have this burden to、um, to to be back to Jerusalem movement, bring the gospel. Back to you know India, Afghanistan,、uh, Iran, Iraq, and all this、um, difficult region, all the way back to Jerusalem. So that's a very exciting journey. Please also pray for that.、Um, regarding all girls allowed, and we are committed to、uh, you know in Jesus' name, simply love her. And we have three、uh, prom strategy that is expose, rescue, and celebrate. Expose is to share these horrific stories with the rest of the world, with Chinese people. And also expose the truth when life starts and begins. The second thing is rescue. We rescue girls and mothers in China by encouraging mothers to give birth to baby girls. I try to combat this gender imbalance, gender side problem. We give、um, orphan scholarships in China by raising them up and、uh, to the love of Jesus. We we help reunite trafficked children each year. That over 600,000 people are trafficked because of gender imbalance, and so we help reunite trafficked children. Most recently. Recently, there were four families was able to reunite it as a result of our help. The fourth one is to defend mothers against forced abortions. So far, that more, four families were able to give birth to babies、um, because the reason of、uh, because our defense work. The celebration part is celebrating the transformation of heart, celebrating many to come to know Jesus Christ as a Savior, the Lord. Through this journey, and celebrate God's miracles and God's power of healing every single one of us,、uh, healing myself and through my own healing story, to healing many, to rescue many, and so、uh, that's、uh, that's how we're doing it. We believe through this process, not only、um, the mother's soul will be rescued, but also the hearts and the souls will be changed through God's power and might, and、uh, as. God command、uh, Jesus command us to、uh, make disciples to all nations and to、um, to baptize in the fa- in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey.、Uh, in addition to love God, love our neighbors. We we、uh, Jesus followers also need to carry out this great commission. All goes loud. It's our way to carry out this、uh, great commission. We invite all of you to join us. Sign up our prayer letter to be our prayer warriors and come to give donation for two hundred forty dollars. You can save a mother and a baby girl, and、um, and to uh, uh, also join our effort of celebrating God's love by you know go to China to be a missionary and go visit friends in there by sharing my books of、uh, Heart for Freedom both in Chinese and English uh, with uh, with your friends with your Chinese friends. Chiling, thank you so much for being with us here today on Sylvia Global. You're an incredible ambassador of social justice, an ambassador of love and forgiveness.、Um, I'd like to close with、um, one additional question. You know, so many times we have good intentions. You know, our, we set out to do what we believe is the right thing to do, and on behalf of others. And 
it can become misunderstood, it can be misinterpreted, and yet we, you know, and we might feel like we've lost the battle, but it's not over until God says it's done. You know, one of the, so the question is, there was a Christian friend of yours, a, a very, very dear friend of yours, and you had the courage to not only stand up to the government, but you had the courage to stand up in a friendship and to say to her when you shared about your abortion and she said, ask God to forgive you. You know, you had the courage to go back and let her know that that hurt you and that forgive what using that word forgiveness um, met in response to your opening up and sharing. You know, she did it with, again, good intentions, but now can do better things with her words and be corrected in her heart in being able to respond. I think that um, there was a very valuable lesson that I'd like to close out on from that. So the question is this. Share that story and how what you've learned about our good intentions as Christians and how we can make sure our hearts and our words are aligned with the hearts and the needs of the people that we're sharing those words with. Um, <laughs> it's a great question, and uh, I um, God called me to share my story, both the good, bad, and vulnerable, and that's why I do, uh, because I believe that He will use um, us to be His mouth and feet and hands and eyes, ears on earth to uh, to be him. And uh, the message I heard from God is um, to tell those women who suffered abortions, um, you know, whether it's forced or coerced or voluntary, to tell them, um, come to God. Um, God will love you and heal you, not come to God. Um, he will forgive you. Even the word, he will forgive you, um, is true but it carries a level of condemnation and judgment in it. So um, so that's the message God shared with me. And uh, um, as we, uh, because we love each other as brothers and sisters, we ought to always be truthful with each other. And, to sh- to, and God is using that sister to be a mighty instrument uh, in, this, in this world. So um, to know the truth, it's very important that sister has great intention, but she never had abortion and didn't understand the pain and suffering, what God message can be interpreted um, and by uh, carry tone, maybe a judgment and, and condemnation um, that, that would uh, potentially further alienate that woman to find God. So I really feel God wants all us to come to him, to be healed, to be restored, to be set free, to be loved by him and not to further putting women in bondage. I learned through my own experience over 86% women in China had at least, at least one abortion and two or more have had two, mm. uh, 52% had two or more. But in America, more than 40 or to 45% women have abortions. Um, I, it break my heart to see churches was not a place, or is not, many churches are not a place safe for women to find healing and to be set free. Um, so I just want to know God, I want to God, I want women to know God's intention, God's love. Um, and uh, so, and I want to, um, our Jesus followers and Christian friends also know that um, how God wants us to represent Him. And so uh, this is just my personal experience, my personal journey. 
You know, I thought that was going to be the last question. I do have to ask yeah, you ahead. one more. No problem. Yes. How has your message uh, among national and international leaders, the Senate, Congress, you know, and others that you meet with the press, how has your message changed since you've become a Christian? Um, my message changed with more love and grace and forgiveness in that, and I, um, very important, when I finished my book, A Heart for Free Freedom, and I had another congressional testimony I had to do on the anniversary of uh, the 31st year anniversary of China's one-child policy, before I would speak as a human rights leader, as a Tiananmen dissident, as a victim, to condemn the wrong. But at that time, I felt God clearly called me to share my own sense with the world and to speak, not condemn them, but to speak that I'm an equal sinner as those who commit sin and commit crimes against women. Um, just as I was misled, and they were also misled, and so, and I had to shed my identity as this, you know, great human rights leader and all that stuff. It was a painful experience, but I know that delights God, and He wants us all. And to, as Dr. Tim Keller said, you know, when Jesus followers to serve the world, we serve through our brokenness, not through our perfection. Um, that's how different the world serves the world through, you know how great we are, and uh, what's important for us to share how great our God is. So um, and um, so, when we uh, continue to go back to do social justice work, we do not um, do it out of um, how great we are, they're wrong, um, but, but we, we, we serve through humility and honor, respect, and grace to say, you know, I myself have committed sins to the world. And uh, it is through that perspective, uh, through repentance, and I also urge, um, you know, you all who commit sins, you know, contribute sins to the world to to find repentance, um, to come to repentance, uh, to be set free, and to end this crime, and knowing that God loves all of us. He doesn't want anybody to perish, but all find eternal life. So, um, I speak. How do you stay so humble in light <laughs> of all of the, you know, the high levels that you move within? You've been nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. You've been on panels with, you know, former U.S. presidents. You know, you know, um, personally, the presidents of major corporations and governments, including the United States. How do you manage to keep your heart and your ego in a place of, of <laughs> grace and humility? You're so kind. Thank you. God is so good with me. He came me on a very short leash. <laughs> your children probably remind you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He often reminds me, uh, you know, uh, of his greatness and uh, um, how much I've been forgiven. And uh, I... Um, I, you know, the worldview changed, and uh, uh, Dr. Keller, Tim Keller, also wrote another great book called A False God, A Counterfeit God. Um, Every time God, when I achieve a great success, God often remind me of do not ever worship those success, you know, even um, put our calls on the altar um, that... um, and to be totally, absolutely devoted to him and him only, um, to and through that. So he, um, 
he he's truly like a gardener. If there's any branches of ego, boastfulness, pride comes out from me, from me, and he just you know chop it off. And <laughs> I'm still it's a still working progress. But um, you know I'm just his. Um, but as I was going through this process, I'm every day I enjoyed the identity being the daughter of the most mighty king, and it's a really beautiful feeling. I don't ever have to go rely on any other identity of success or wealth of um, position or anything to feel a sense of security or fulfillment and uh, um, you know praise. And every morning we put on the garment praise um, for he just blesses through, you know, the righteousness of God. Jesus has uh, uh, died to, to give to us. And um, to um, to basically simplify my life to know I only have one master that is God and Jesus Christ and no more, nothing else. And so that is a really beautiful feeling and a beautiful Shiley. sense of freedom. A woman of incredible faith, leading by example, philanthropist, mother, business owner, and the founder of All Girls Allow. Thank you for joining us today here on sylviaglobal.com. Thank you. And we look forward to having you back again. And I want to close praying for you. Oh, thank you so much. May I pray for you and your, your audience as well? Absolutely. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you're such a great and awesome God that your wonders and power never cease to amaze us, that every day is made new. And just as you were resurrected um, from the grave, you've brought life back from places that seem dead and hopeless, that nothing is lost in your presence, no soul is lost, and that all boys, men, girls, and women are allowed into your mercy and your grace and into your your place of love. We thank you so much for the work that Chai Ling is doing and how you just grown her through these years and revealed to her her purpose and her mission on behalf of so many and that you continue to speak and bless her and her staff and the work that they're doing and that your hand of grace and mercy will be upon her forever and ever and ever. In Jesus' holy name, I pray. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Thank you, Father. Um, dear Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, thank you for this beautiful time to fellowship with uh, Sister Gill and all her um, listeners. Father, I just praise you uh, for you created her before the foundation of the world and created each person uh, before the foundation of the world. We're made by you, for you, and you fearfully, wonderfully made uh, each one of us. Father, I just pray for you to continue to... Uh, strengthen Gail and bless her ministry, bless her family, bless her uh, listeners, Father. Um, I pray for the prayer you give to uh, Abraham. Whoever blessed them and bless her listeners will be blessed by you. Whoever cursed them will be cursed by you, Father. I just pray for you to continue to honor them, glorify them, justify them, heal them, um, and uh, to set them free and to, um, and to use them as a blessing to the world and to all nations. In Jesus' mighty, awesome, great name, we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Welcome.